Hello and thank you for tuning in. We're going to be going over Federals number 10. I'm pretty jazzed up. I'm pretty stoked for this one. It's going to be titled, The Same Subject Continued the Union as a Safeguard Against Domestic Faction and Insurrection, written by James Madison uh, on November 22nd, 1787. Topics discussed is Republicanism versus Democracy, which is really going to be the main focus of this uh, paper here, and then ensuring freedom and liberty through stability, as well as protecting the minority from the majority. Now, most constitutional scholars uh, consider this paper written by Madison as the most profound of the series. A lot of people talk about lump this one. I think it's uh, Federalist number 10, 51, 29, 78, I think, 78 or 79. There's a lot of, uh, there's a couple that are really, really huge that really differentiate our government from others and the reason for a republic rather than a, a direct democracy and like a pure democracy the way in which our governments ran is we are much more of like a democratic republic will democratically vote in our representatives and those representatives will then vote on legislation and, and other uh, laws and now we will the way this in which it used to be i mean i'll go through this with these papers here is that the senate was actually elected by the legislatures of different states so like this state new jersey that i live in let's say i don't know i want to say they have something like 200 legislators in the state i'm not exactly sure but let's say you have 250 legislators those legislators would actually be involved in electing the senator years ago and um, every like six years, whenever the Senate, because usually the way it works is not both Senate seats are up in this state, at least in other states, maybe it's usually, you know, one's on, one's off, one's on. So like uh, this, this past election, it was Cory Booker. So the way in which it used to work is you would have the New Jersey uh, legislature would vote in each individual, I guess, uh, city or state or the, the way in which they district in New Jersey, I'm not exactly familiar with. But then they would elect the senators, and those senators would then go and they would represent the uh, they would re represent New Jersey in the U.S. Congress and the Senate. Now the way they do it is just completely democratic throughout the state. They just have you vote. You know, you either vote for this Democrat or this Republican or any third party candidate. Now the House of Representatives is a little different. Uh, that is all districts. In the district in which I live, you have uh, Bonnie Watson Coleman is our representative in this district. I think it's the 12th district. I'm not exactly sure of the number, but I know who she, I know the representative. She's pretty terrible. She's like super far left liberal. Uh, there's a couple of publications that came out with who the most liberal uh, senators were, the most conservatives, the most liberal house of representatives. And she's like top five uh, in, in far left uh, in her voting record. She voted for no background checks because her because her son her two sons are like criminals and they were they went and they like robbed the Toys R Us a couple years ago something like maybe ten fifteen years ago they robbed the Toys R Us with AR-15s so she voted in she was always pushing legislation for no background checks as well as a bunch of gun reform or gun control uh, legislation as well meanwhile her two sons robbed like a Toys R Us with an AR-15 but so that that's how that works. Now, House of Reps, it's every two years. Senators, they're elected every six. That's just a little background information on which, in the way in which our republic works. Uh, Madison's going to continue. He has a lot of stuff talking about the difference between, you know, a republic and a direct democracy and what makes a republic better than a democracy, especially over vast amounts of land. So the further and further the spectrum goes, the better you are, better off you are with a republic rather than a democracy, a direct democracy. 
I'm going to continue. So we got, <clears throat> as I said, uh, most constitutional scholars consider this paper uh, as one of the most profound in the series of papers. Where this is where Madison really lays out the principles from the from uh, which our government and our constitution are comprised of. Now he begins with the uh, union's ability to crush factions. He states, and I quote, the instability, injustice, and confusion introduced into the public councils have, in truth, been the mortal diseases under which popular governments have everywhere perished as they continue to be the favorite and fruitful topics from which the adversaries to liberty derive their most specious declamations, end quote. So when you are, when you do give uh, in, in free republics or you give that liberty, there is a a, in, there has been a historical instability, injustice, and confusion, and that's something in which you know people that are much more in favor of a uh, monarchical or authoritarian structure they will point to those that instability and say, hey, look, it can't be done because of this you know instability of factional violence, uh, whether it's over territory, religion, or it's over just money, monetary reasons. Now. Uh, Madison is going to propose really an answer, a remedy to this issue later in the papers, in this paper, and I'll go through that. But then he continues, and I quote, Among the numerous advantages promised by a well-constructed union, none deserves to be more accurately developed than its tendency to break and control the violence of faction, end quote. So that's something that I went over in, I think it was like two papers ago, I'm not exactly sure. But he was talking about, for example, if New York tries to take over New Jersey then you're going to have to face, you know, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Then you're also going to have to face the federal military. And that's really where the issue arises. That's the point in having that federal government. So you have some sort of military to back it up in, in uh, you know, these instances of insurrections or, or factional violence or one tri- state tries to take over another. That's the point of having that federal government. Now, he continues... He illustrates that the the current situation is the reason for any of the current issues in regards to uh, instability, invasions on public, personal property, uh, liberty, and and practice of faith. So he's saying pretty much the federal government right now under the Articles of Confederation isn't strong enough really to support, uh, you know, its citizenry. And that's the reason for the instability, the invasions on public and personal liberties, as well as uh, practices of faith. And he, and he explains, and I quote, that the public good is disregarded in the conflicts of rival parties and that measures are too often decided not according to the rules of justice and the rights of the minor party, but by the superior force of an un, of an interested and overbearing majority, end quote. So that's actually him just characterizing, uh, you know, this this is him characterizing what factional violence is. Uh, what a direct democracy is or what the current really the current system that they're having issues with it is is that these the majority can really take advantage of the minority party right now and there really is no answer there's no remedy to it because you don't have a strong raised military that can really do anything about it or quell insurrections so it is a very unstable uh situation in american history at this at this time which he explains but uh, Madison characterizes factions, and I quote, By a faction, I understand a number of citizens, whether amounting to a majority or a minority, 
of the whole who are united and actuated by some common impulse of passion or of interest adverse to the rights of other citizens or to the permanent and aggregate interest of the community end quote so like like i was explaining before it could be an impulse of passion it could be something of interest uh it could be money it could be something of the interest of one community over another in which factional violence can arise so he alludes the two ways in which uh, you can crush or cure the mischiefs of of this this faction the factional violence and both of them prove to be pretty ineffective the two ways in which which uh, it has to be done in terms of if you're trying to run a republic it's just not going to work because then it would no longer really be a republic and he states and i quote the one by removing its causes the other by controlling its effects he continues and i quote the one by destroying the liberty which is essential to its existence the other by giving to every citizen the same opinions the same passions and the same interests end quote so really what he's saying with liberty there will always be some sort of faction but they have to try to uh, mitigate that faction and by just saying we're going to destroy the liberty that's the best way to get rid of completely rid of or um, eradicate that faction which isn't an option in a republic or a free uh, free society or you can give every single citizen the same opinions the same passions or the same interests which you know you can give them the interest of being american and being patriotic but even now that's something that's really not even agreed upon in our society so it's very difficult as long as there is man and as long as uh they are freely thinking you really can't get everyone to think the same opinion, have the same opinion, same same passions or the same interests. Just think of, I mean, same interests. Just think of how many hobbies or sports there are out there. So many different people like football. So, you know, if you look throughout the country, there's a huge population that actually do like soccer. But some most people watch football. They like football the most. But then some people watch, you know, some people like NASCAR. Some people like golf. Some people like this. So there's so many different interests that people are going to hold no matter what. As long as you have a free society where people are allowed to think freely they're going to hold a lot of different interests if you look at uh, religion you know there's protestants there's there's uh muslims there's there's catholics there's you know religions another one that's so diverse throughout this country and other countries are nowhere near as diverse as we are they usually have a state religion where we don't even have a uh, our country has no religious affiliation because it's a free it's a free republic where you are able to practice your religion freely so it's it's very diverse in a lot of ways, which is actually, I'm going to get to this as we get through this paper here, is the reason that is the remedy. The remedy ends up being that uh, we're going to have so many, such a free society, which is a, an issue, an answer to, a, to an issue, but it is a very free-minded answer. We're going to have so many differences in our society, so many different opinions, passions, and interests that you're not going to really be able to have a majority opinion one way or the other. And I'll explain when we get to it. So next he states, and I quote, The first remedy that it was that is worse than the disease. Liberty is to faction what air is to fire, an ailment without which it instantly expires, an aliment without which it instantly expires. But it could be less folly to abolish liberty which is essential to political life because it nourishes faction than it would be to wish the annihilation of air, which is essential to animal life because it imparts to fire its destructive agency. So pretty much, end quote. So pretty much what he's saying is 
faction can be eradicated by uh, ridding of liberty, like I said before, but getting rid of of liberty is far worse uh, than the effects of of this of this faction. So, I mean, it's it's kind of like this COVID nineteen, where you know you have these state these state officials, these state governors, they're shutting down states, they're telling people that they can't go here, can't do this, can't do that. And the answer is now worse than the actual issue. The, the, the solution is worse than the problem because you're going to have economies just totally crash. You're going to have people out of work. And when they're out of work, who are they going to go to for the money? They're going to go to the government. And the government gets that money from the current people that are actually working. And your bar, you're really just taking money out of the hands of people that are working. And in doing that, then you will eventually put them out of business too. And then everyone's out of business uh, living off the government. And then when that happens, the money just runs out because the government has no one to pull the money from anymore. You can't just make money out of thin air. It has to be matched by assets that are in the economy in fluctuation. So, you know, our GDP, our average GDP every single year is something like 21 to 22 trillion. So that represents how much our country is actually worth in commercial value. The more and more you keep pulling from, from that money, the more and more businesses will end up going out and it will lower that GDP. Our value eventually will run down to zero and the government will be, you know, just printing money that's pretty much useless and has no value in a uh, market economy. So uh, that's what ends up happening. You know, you, you eradicate liberty and then the solution ends up being uh, worse than the initial the initial problem it only causes more and more problems so i mean me personally government interventionalism in in almost anything ends up being futile <laughs> it ends up always creating more problems than it really solves now he lays out madison here the protections of opinions and the rights of property stating and i quote the protection of these faculties is the first object of government end quote so his philosophy behind this provision is that if all are free to speak, um, given a justice system, you're given you know property that is protected by the government along with yourself. The government will give you know the government will protect your rights you know to the First Amendment as well as the Second Amendment to d- defend your property and hold your property, and it'll also instill a justice system that will ensure through civil courts that you will be able to keep your property and it won't be taken away or confiscated from you. In doing that, it allows uh, people to speak and practice their religion freely. Uh, there's much more stability and freedom in doing this. And, and these protections are something that now becomes almost co- cohesive. It, it unites people because a lot of people will say, you know, there was that, that saying, that famous, uh, that famous poem during World War II, well, after World War II, but it was when the Nazis came for this, you know, when the Nazis came for the Jews, I said nothing. When the Nazis came for uh, the blacks, I said nothing. When the Nazis came for the mentally ill, I said nothing. When Nazis came for, you know, the, the, the whatever, I said nothing. And then eventually the Nazis came for me and there was no one to help me. So essentially what he's saying here is that if you give these rights and if you give these freedoms to more people, you give protection to these, to property... People are going to actually unite behind that. And whether you have disagreements about what party you're in or, you know, what have you, at least you can agree on that core principle and that core value to protect uh, property. 
Now, these these protections are imperative to freedom. Uh, throughout society, different opinions have always created mutual animosity and caused the majority to try to trample the minority, which is what he explains here. And I quote, A zeal for different opinions concerning religion, concerning government, and many other points as well of speculation as a practice, an attachment to different leaders ambitiously contending for preeminence and power or to persons of other descriptions whose fortunes have been interesting to the human passions have in turn divided mankind into parties and flamed them with mutual animosity and rendered them much more disposed to vex and oppress each other than to cooperate for their common good end quote and then he he continues so these are these are all these are all problems that come from you know no type of protection from the government uh you know, it comes from a lot of, a lot of majorities trampling minorities. Uh, if you think about, like I referred to France, the Protestants and the, I think it was Protestants and Catholics, or, or was that in Britain? They're just constantly, they were fighting over one thing or the other, one thing or the other. And you're really on one side or the other. And what the goal here is to accomplish where there's so many interests and so many different value systems that there really aren't two parties. There's so many different types of parties and types of people that are willing to fight for different things. So that really, if you have one of these, you know, let's say there's 10 different groups in the country. If you have one of these 10 different groups try to step out of line, you have the other nine there to correct them rather than just one group or the other group. And then when that one group has the majority, let's say they have a 60 or 70% majority over that other group, then they will try to take them over at that point so he continues on this route here stating and i quote the most common and durable source of factions has been the various and unequal distribution of property those who hold and those who are without property have ever formed distinct interests in society those who are creditors and those who are debtors fall under a like discrimination end quote now people like like he said people fight over uh property whether you're the debtor or you're the uh you're the creditor, you're the person that's owed the money, or you're the person that has to pay the money off, you will fight over this. Now, there's a reason, that's the reason for justice system and having judges. Uh, he, he continues to explain this, and I quote, No man is allowed to be a judge in his own cause because his interest would certainly bias his judgment and not improbably corrupt his integrity, end quote. Now, he believed this principle also related in politics between the uh, creditors or deb debtors because the more one pays, the less the other has to pay. So he actually, th this is a very, very important point. And this is why, if you've watched any of my other videos, I've said that I think that I think that taxes should just generally be a straight up percentage sum number and that's it. You should not have, you know, one one side paying 40% and then the other side paying like 20%. I just, it's not fair. There's no impartiality to that. It's a completely uh, biased system. And that being said, uh, Madison calls for impartiality as it relates to taxation. And he states, the apportionment of taxes on the various descriptions of property is an act which seems to require the most exact impartiality, end quote. And then he, he really he really explains he explains that you know you know this is one of another court issue that people will fight over if let's say i have a fish market and i'm in you know uh new jersey and i'm paying a 20 percent tax and then in new york they're paying like a 30 percent tax 
therefore everyone's going to buy my fish because I'm going to be able to bring it to market at a way cheaper price. I mean, that's an extra 10% I have to work with, even if I do have to pay on transporting that fish, as long as I'm doing it at a rate in which uh, my money, my revenue is coming in and I can make up that difference, that 10% difference, which is huge. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. You know, the people from New York are going to hate me and they're going to want to, uh, you know, rise up against me. And I wouldn't blame them if I'm only paying an extra, you know, if they're paying an extra 10%, then how, how are they to compete with me? That's really what he's stating here is that uh, you're, you're going to have here. He says, otherwise, there will be most cases in which, and I quote, the immediate interest which one party may find in disregarding the rights of another or the good of the whole, end quote. So what you're going to have is you're going to have people, what he tries to explain is you're going to have people buying influence or people that are, let's say I'm in the fish market and now I'm a legislator as well. And then I'm buying influence amongst people trying to get them to, you know, pay, pay my, make me only pay 20%, make them pay 30%, my competitor pay 30% and I'll be able to eventually beat them and then buy up their organization which is how dirty politics works. It's how dirty capitalism works. It is something that uh, is very, it is inherent right now. I mean, we definitely for sure have some sort of dirty capitalism going on where it's difficult for a smaller business to compete with a larger business, like I explained before, but it's not exactly what people think with lobbying. I mean, there is lobbying influences, but then there's also the influences, like I said in my, uh, I think two videos ago where I was, or three, I don't know. I don't know exactly which one, but I was alluding to the minimum wage uh, growth that they want. They want that raise of a $15 minimum wage, which will just run small companies and small businesses straight out of the market. And it will also take away jobs as well. So you end up uh, really benefiting the rich and bigger corporations like in Amazon, because Amazon currently right now, if you look at how much they're paying people to start, I think they're paying them already over $15 an hour. So they only get bigger and bigger because they're going to eat up all of the uh, consumers that were of those small businesses. Now, his inference concludes that he, from from this inference, he concludes that, uh, and I quote, the causes of faction cannot be removed and that relief is only to be sought in the means of controlling its effects, end quote. So he's saying that faction, there is always going to be some sort of faction. It's just the magnitude of that faction. And we're going to have to work somehow to control the, uh, you know, on the scale, how, how high that magnitude really is. So he adds, if a minority becomes sinister, the majority will defeat them by regular vote. And that's in a direct democracy. And it, I mean, it is in a republic as well. If, if you have a minority becoming sinister or acting out, the majority will quell or suppress them by regular vote or in other ways and, you know, physical ways, if it gets to that. Now, the real issue that needs to be confronted here and needs to be addressed is that when the majority becomes sinister, what happens then? Because there's not going to be anybody to, to quell them or suppress them. And this is the purpose, he, he states, this is the purpose of these papers in the Constitution. Now he continues explaining, and I quote, By what means is this object attainable? Evidently, by one or of two only. Either the existence of the same passion or interest is in a majority at the same time must be prevented, or the majority having such coexistent passion or interest must be rendered by their number and local situation unable to concert, and carry into effect schemes of oppression, end quote. So he's saying there's either one of two ways to answer this, and, you know, 
you can either get rid of which really you know you try you try to prevent the existence of the same passion and the interest of that majority everybody having that same exact interest or passion or you make it so there's other parties that are not of the majority that have coexisting uh, passions and interests where they are contingent they are they are dependent on each other so you'll have one you know, let's say a majority, the majority is, uh, and this also, this also works to commercial reasons. And I think that's why they kind of laid out in the beginning, a lot of these papers, uh, commerce as well. Now, if I'm part of the minority and the majority, and I'm the fish, you know, salesman, and, and let's say I'm the only person that's selling any type of uh, protein or meat, you know, there's other than that, there's farmers that just have cabbage or what have you. Now, if I'm part of that minority, and the majority is out there and they're rampaging and they're, you know, partaking in depredations, they're attacking and they're plundering other people's stuff that are in my, you know, in my minority group, let's say. Me me being that, that fish salesman, they really can't destroy my business because then they have no food. So really what he's what he's alluding to here is Mr. Madison. Madison's just talking about that everyone wants to, if we can somehow create a system where we can mitigate these majority opinions and we can create more diversity and we can also have a coexistent passion or interest where other people also share some of the same passions or interests. Like, you know, let's say I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm friends with a product. Let's say I'm a Catholic and I'm friends with a Protestant you know, back in Europe, we'd be fighting each other, but both of us really, really like golf. So we, we go golfing together and we're friendly that way. That's a better way to explain it. That's more modern than, than, you know, years ago, but we're all dependent on each other. That's what Madison is alluding to. He's trying to think of up a system where everyone kind of becomes much more dependent on each other. And everyone's also though, but, but they're free still to make their own choices. And that's really the the essence of uh, republicanism is that people are able, still free to keep their own choices, but at the same time, they still have protections. Which is why he was, um, Madison was staunchly opposed to a direct democracy, because, because in which he explains every citizen votes on every issue, which can cause a slippery slope where the majority can vote to take essential liberties away from the minority which is he's absolutely correct now that's that's the reason for the republican or, or republic or republicanism rather than a, a pure democracy he explains this and i quote a pure democracy by which i mean a society consisting of a small number of citizens who assemble and administer the government in person can admit of no cure for the mischiefs of faction end quote which he's correct they they have no answer for that and and he continues and i quote hence it is that such democracies have ever been spectacles of turbulence and contention have ever been found incompatible with personal security or the rights of liberty of of property and have in general been as short in their lives as they have been violent in their deaths end quote so he's saying that there's been no that you can't really find a direct democracy or pure democracy that you can sit there and point at that is a um good example of of you know freedom liberty and and rights personal security uh turbulence or, or rather um peace peacefulness and their their lives have been short 
and their deaths have been very violent. That's what he says. Now, proponents of democracy have erroneously believed by making everyone everyone's political rights equal in meaning like your one vote means your one vote and that's it and everybody has the same vote in in doing that they thought that it would equalize their opinions passions and possessions as well meaning everybody would because you have that one vote somehow everything else would fall into place where everyone will believe the same thing they would have the same passions and and then they would also have the same possessions it's almost like a uh, it almost sounds like socialism or, or some sort of uh, communism now, that being said, Madison outlines the proposed system as a constitutional republic, and I quote, a small number of citizens elected by the rest, end quote. Now, this this is the key proponent of everything that he has been talking about and I've been talking about in this entire paper. This is, this is not only to protect the rights of uh, the constituencies, but also is a system by which it may be extended upon vast amounts of land and a great number of citizens. And that's also another key proponent is that that vast amount of land and a, a great number of citizens. Now he explains, and I quote, the effect of the first difference is on the uh, on one hand to refine and enlarge the public views by passing them through the medium of a chosen body of citizens whose wisdom may best discern the true interest of their country and whose patriotism and love of justice will be least likely to sacrifice it to temporary or partial considerations, end quote. Now, he believed that this system provided the greatest security afforded the to the greatest variety of parties in the event of any one party attempting to outnumber or oppress the rest. Now, the way in which he explains this in this quote that I that I just brought up is now by passing it through the large body when, when he says the chosen chosen body of citizens he's referring to our our representatives as well as our senators and obviously you know our uh, state legislatures our governor all that he's saying that you know the, they have so much patriotism and they they will have a love of justice and they will be so aware of what the constitution is and they will really believe in those ideals and the elements of that. And in doing so, even when one, let's say a majority, wants to take out a minority, it will not. When they, There's no pure democracy to vote on that happening. So uh, let's say you know the Catholics want to get rid of all the Protestant uh, houses of worship. I don't know what they call them. I don't know if they're called churches or what have you. Well, let's say the Catholics want to get rid of the Protestant houses of worship they can't vote to get that done. It's not possible uh, through the Constitution. It is it is something that would be completely void. You can't do that because they have that freedom of religion, and because they have that freedom of religion, these representatives in the House of Reps, the senators, you know, all these government representatives are going to stand by them and protect them no matter what. That's that's essentially what uh, Madison's referring to here when he in this quote when he states that chosen body of citizens and they're supposed to be of you know the utmost integrity and when you think of the way in which madison characterizes these people you do not think of what we have currently going on in our in our government structure because everyone hates politicians and thinks oh yeah okay now the politicians are oh, they're, they're corrupt they're all corrupt they're all out for themselves that's what everyone says all the time so it's funny though the way in which he explains it and i'm sure at this time a lot of these uh, government officials actually legitimately were of of that rectitude. They were of integrity. I'm sh I'm pretty sure of it uh, in terms of taking away those individual liberties and protecting them. Now, 
he this is the reason for the large larger republics or the vast amount of land for uh you know numerous people larger republics are better suited to ensure factions do not affect representatives as well because madison believed there would uh, be an ex increased variety of different thoughts people and parties which i was alluding to before and he explains this and i quote extend the sphere and you take in a great variety of parties and interests you make it less probable that a majority of the whole will have a common motive to invade the rights of other citizens or if such a common motive exists it will be more difficult for all who feel it to discover their own strength and to act in unison with each other end quote so let's say uh you know i live in new jersey and then somebody else lives over in missouri or they live in you know california or something and we all kind of agree the same thing that a certain group should be taken out uh then it would be much more difficult for us to do so because it is a republic and it's a vast republic it's you know i, I don't know how america i know i know alone if you were to take texas and you were to put every individual American in Texas, you'd be able to give each of them a half acre of land. So Texas is about seven, I, I believe, 700 uh, million acres or something like that. Or maybe it's, oh no, it's like 130 or 125 acres of land, 125 million. So if you took 330 million people, you'd be able to give them, or, or maybe it's like 150 I remember reading that statistic somewhere, and then I looked it up and I verified. Oh no, it's a hundred. I want to say it's a hundred and seventy-four. Let's see, acres in Texas. Just to fact check myself here, a hundred seventy-one point nine zero two million acres in Texas. So if you were to take three hundred thirty million people, you'd be able to put them all in Texas and give each of them a half acre of land. So we do. We do. You know, we have a huge amount of land here in in america so that's really what he's he's referencing is the larger the republic gets the further and further over land it gets as well you can have a lot of people that believe the same thing that want to take out some sort of group but they're not going to be able to because they're not really going to be able to connect with each other now that doesn't really actually uh relate to today because now you can go on facebook and if you really really want to find like other hateful groups and if you're super hateful you can find one out there but are you really going to be able to do anything? No, because most of the citizens believe in, you know, some sort of uh, semblance and some sort of constitution and, and some sort of inherent rights. So really, because the constitution, the way in which it's written, you're not going to be, and, and hopefully, you know, our legislators, you're not going to be able to really do anything in reality. Now he concludes, and I quote, the influence of factious leaders may kindle a flame within their particular states but will be unable to spread a general conflagration through the other states. A religious sect may degenerate into a political faction and a part of the Confederacy, but the variety of sects dispersed over the entire face of it must secure the nationals councils against any danger from that source a rage for paper money for an abolition of debts for an equal division of property or for any other improper or wicked project will be less apt to pervade the whole body of the union than a particular member of it in the same proportion as such a malady is more likely to taint a particular county or district than an entire state so this is exactly what i was referencing uh, he's talking about, you know, you may have issues in certain in certain counties or districts, or uh, there may be some people that agree and they're angry about this or angry about that. But because we're so, 
vast in size and people are so far and dispersed uh, amongst the territories and also on top of that you're going to have many different groups because there is it's such a freedom-minded principle of you know freedom of religion was really at that time one of the biggest ones because there's been so much religious persecution that the fact that now America you had that freedom of religion basis and and the you know the freedom of speech so even if in particular, you, you didn't, you know, have a religion. Like, now religion has kind of uh, phased out religious things. People have become religious about, uh, you know, politics more than anything, like golden calves, like politicians, whether, no matter what page I'm on, whether it's a, uh, you know, a pro-Trump page or it is, you know, a pro-left progressive-ism page. I don't even want to call it pro-Biden because I really don't think that many people like Biden that much. Although, when I do go and I... Uh, and I will make fun of Biden or I'll scorn him. People do get super defensive, almost like he's an Obama golden calf character. Now, people look up to their politicians now like they are deities. They deitize them. They act as if they are, uh, you know, religious figures because I think we've gotten further and further away from religion. And I think it's just one of the ways in which our uh, our state, as in, like, you know, the United States, I think it's a way in which the government as well as the media try to kind of get you to uh, get more into politics or trust the government because the the three things things that people hold over the government if you notice our media tries to uh, they try to disparage people that have families or family values which you know it, it is telling because then if you think about it you have the things that you hold above the government are Probably one, your family, two, your religion. It's that whole thing with uh, Vince Lombardi, the Green Bay Packers. He's like, uh, number one's your family, number two's your religion, number three is the Green Bay Packers. That's the whole That's the whole thing. They take that exact uh, principle and they go, okay, if you, we're going to make you disbelieve your, your family, we're going to extol the values of, you know, single motherhood, we're going to extol the values of not being married and just messing around with whomever you want. And, and not being in relationships. And then we're going to also extol the values of anti-religionism or um, what is it called when you don't believe in God? The exact ideology. But it's, it's a, the, big, the, big, the big Sam Harris. Uh, I can't believe. I'm drawing a blank here. An atheist. Jesus. <laughs> An atheist. So... They try to push you more and more towards those two things because if you don't believe in any God, you don't have any principle or value to God. You don't believe in those, uh, the Ten Commandments, or you, and you also don't have any type of like family values or any virtue that way. Then it's easier and easier to buy you into a government structure and buy you into looking up and deitizing people like uh, Barack Obama or a Joe Biden-like character. And I think that's something that's much more uh, pervasive on the left side of our politics because on the right side there is like. There's a lot of evangelical Christians. Uh, some people do not. They don't. This is the way they look at Donald Trump. Is they don't look at Donald Trump as a perfect character, but they look at him as a vessel for conservative conservatism and conservative values. So they do appreciate him for that. But there's a lot of things in his personal life that I'm sure a lot of uh, evangelical Christians probably don't approve of, and the way in which he, you know, tweets, talks, carries himself. I'm sure that a lot of evangelicals or very religious, or just people that don't believe in that type of decorum, probably don't align with him on that basis. So when you attack Trump, people, if, if you notice the, the, 
the adamance. There's not as many, uh, you know, unyielding people when you go to attack Trump on any type of social media platform or they'll freak out. But then you look and you turn around, you go, wow, 74 million people still voted for this guy, though. And he got attacked relentlessly online and no one really stood up for him. You got to really you got to think about the uh, the fundamental principles and the values of each party at that point. You have to think, why is it that other people stand up for these far left people in general but like if you'll notice people that are on the right they will stand up for the values on the right though people will have a march for life uh, against abortion they'll have second amendment marches they stand up for those values but they don't really stand up for politicians other than donald trump from what i've seen but that's because donald trump does actually stand up for a lot of values but politicians like a mitt romney you didn't see people in the street you know uh standing up or rallying for mitt romney because we really uh, Mitt Romney, McCain, you know, those people didn't really uh, defend those values the way they made it like they did. They didn't extol them or exalt them. So you don't have people going out there in the streets for those type of people. But you'll you'll see uh, protests or you'll see gatherings for these for these other values because that's really what the right is more rooted in. They're more rooted in values. They're more rooted in constitutionalism, uh, republicanism rather than actual politicians whereas the left just loves certain politicians and they don't really have any values except for catchphrases that are uh that derive from these focus groups in which the democrat party pays for and a lot of their if if anybody's noticed that a lot of their politicians especially a aoc or an alexandria ocasio cortez they really derive from focus group testing they run them through a group it's it's almost scientific in which what they do they say, oh, the way she looks, what do you think about this? What do you think about the way in which she talks? How do you think? These people are made like robots to trick the human mind in order to vote for them. <laughs> it's it's made for somebody. It's it's almost like a clickbait. It's made for people just to click on them. And then once you read the article, once you actually read their plan and their proposals, and then if you study it, you realize it's all garbage and it's all BS. It's just like a clickbait, you know? And people fall for clickbait all the time online. You say, ooh, look, this celebrity's married to this person now, or they cheated on their, their wife or their husband, and then they click on it. It's the same thing with the way in which the Democratic Party finds their, uh, their candidates. It's the same thing. Now, in essence, to end all of this, he characterized the, the print, this principle of uh, republicanism and having this free society where people are able to make up their own minds and have different values and principles. He characterizes it as, and I quote, a Republican remedy for the disease most incident to a Republican government, end quote. In essence, Republican government is derived from a set of principles and has legislative uh, elected representatives who are responsible for defending the set of principles and individual rights which you know i stated before so really what he's what he's to uh, sum everything up and wrap it all up in this segment here is what he's referring to is you know this republican principle or republics that have always had these issues of factions and violence the best way to quell that or the best way to suppress that or prevent it from happening is to allow everyone to think freely allow there to be multiple uh, groups and principles and different thoughts and in doing so, there's going to be so many different fringes or so many different, you know, groups. There's going to be so much coexisting commerce that happens that people are going to be much less willing to fight each other. You know, that's that's really the essence of this one. And this is, like I said, this is one of the most important papers 
which is why I, I went a little bit longer than I usually do. Usually I try to cap it around 30 minutes, but it's, it's hard because this one's a very long and important, significant uh, paper. But please, please make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, share it to anybody that you think would like it. Enjoy the segments that I have here. Uh, I also, as I, you know, as you've seen, I've had current events, the Dominion voting systems uh, video is pretty huge right now. It's almost at like 70 views. People are actually looking into it because it's anything that interests. It just goes, it, that goes to show and it represents that the mainstream media really is not covering things the way in which they should be. They're not giving enough information because my small podcast channel which on 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 youtube has something like 18 subscribers and on a rumble app something like 45 or 46 when i go and put out a video and suddenly now on all these different channels i'm getting like you know 70 80 views which just it, it goes to show that the mainstream and i have zero uh you know pull i don't have i don't have any ads right now i have nothing running i can't get anything to go through facebook i can't get it to go through google i can't get it to go through anywhere right now because they're shutting down any type of anything that's even somewhat related to politics you can't post and have ads right now with these uh main these mainstream i guess social media devices now uh, i'm trying to get something through parlor I tried to email people try to figure it out but i've yet to get an answer because they're so overwhelmed and inundated with with new uh with new downloaders and new users on the platform which the the mainstream media is angry about the fact that people are switching over to Parler and you i mean and uh, rumble rather than youtube they're getting pissed they're calling it like white supremacy just like they do anything that disagrees with them they just yell white supremacy and they they will uh, assign you know racism that's the reason which people are leaving and the reason people are leaving is because you guys treated them like garbage for the last, you know, uh, four, at least four years. You treated them like they're idiots, and then they decided to pick up and leave because they're not getting any of the information that they wanted because you guys are suppressing information and censoring people. So that's all on you. It's the reason people are leaving. Now, uh, yeah, so that's going to be it. Like, share, subscribe. Uh, make sure you drop the mic on anyone you know that you think might like the podcast. I appreciate you for tuning in. If you have any criticisms, questions, I got my email up there in the description. Thank you. This is Monday. I will see you all on Wednesday. Thank you.